0: Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. When you're
1: ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
2: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
1: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
2: It's not by adding, but by subtracting. It's not by doing more of a, a new strategy or tactic that you learned. It's stopping the stories, it's stopping the manipulations, it's stopping the agendas, it's stopping the fears, it's stopping all of the choices that we make in our life that lead to our suffering.
0: Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me, I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect Souls And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey, my beautiful friend, if you suffer from anxiety and are sick of all the ways it's taking over your life, please take a look at Panic Away. For over 10 years now, Panic Away has been showing people how to break anxious patterns and get their old carefree self back, the person they were before anxiety ruled their life. Panic Away shows you how to break the anxiety loop and it gives your nervous system a chance to relax. It's totally drug free and highly successful and it helps people with all levels of anxiety. Panic Away comes with a full money back guarantee, so you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain. It's time to take back control of your life, your happiness, and your freedom. A life free of anxiety is like living an entirely different life. Click the link in the show notes for access to Panic Away. Hey, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to the How My Parents Raised Me podcast. Do you ever feel that your life is being held hostage by other people? You're so worried about making a good impression, doing the right thing. You've completely lost any sense of who you actually are. If this is you, pop over to the HEAL blog and check out this week's blog post, 17 Signs You Are A People Pleaser. It can be super hard to see our own behaviours or have any awareness around them at times. So please take a look and share a link to this blog post with someone who may need some help to see how people pleasing might be showing up in their life. This week I had an incredible chat with Andrew Daniel, the founder of the Centre for Cynosomatic Development Andrew was the kid at school who was bullied. He was teased. People would slap his books down in the hallway. He would sit alone at lunch. He would be picked last in gym class and life became pretty dark. Andrew even started fantasizing about suicide and revenge. And he sat in that victim mentality for years. Until one day he decided he really needed to figure this out. He wanted a good life. He wanted to be happy. So for a decade, Andrew tried every modality, every type of healing. And after making some progress but not really breaking through, Andrew created Cinesomatics. Cinesomatics uses video and movement to help you see physically in the body the unconscious patterns that are running your life and it shows you how to face, feel and heal those patterns through your body. It's fascinating to see how this works and I'm so excited to share this chat with you. This is Andrew Daniel. Welcome Andrew. Andrew Daniel you are an award-winning author and you have written a book called Awaken to Your True Self which is A Practical Guide on How to Transform Your Life Through Reflective Embodiment and Shadow Work. Your work in somatics, which is a process that helps us to reveal our unconscious blocks, traumas, archetypes and stories so that we can heal them through the body. I believe nobody gets into this type of trauma healing work without having a story of trauma themselves. We'll talk all about somatics soon, but first you were dealing with some difficult issues growing up. Can you tell us a little bit about the bullying that was going on for you as a child?
2: Yes, thank you, thank you for having me on here, Don. My bullying was based around having warts. So when I was about five or six years old, I had warts on my fingers and I moved to a new town, started first grade in a new school and essentially was made fun of for having words on my fingers because no one else did. And so that set in motion a huge, <laughs> a huge amount of struggle and suffering and bullying and teasing, loneliness, rejection, this whole process mm-hmm. of, of schooling. So that journey of going to school and being with people that didn't really want me there set me on that path of eventually doing the healing work but when i was when i was a kid when i was in school i would be teased i would be tripped in the hall people would slap my books down in the hallway i would sit alone at lunch picked last in gym class you know the whole kind of nerd teenage movie trope was actually my life. And it, it got, it got really bad at multiple times. And especially when I was later in my teenager years, I was starting to fantasize about suicide and revenge and some pretty dark stuff. And I made an opportunity essentially in that moment at about 17 years old where I was thinking about killing myself, or at least entertaining the idea. And I imagined what that would be like. I imagined that process. And that didn't seem very fun to me. I was very avoidant of a lot of pain. And at the same time, I was already in a lot of pain. I was in tremendous suffering, crying myself to sleep at night mostly around this the social leprosy, the social rejection. But I eventually got to that turning point of either I end it or I do whatever it takes to figure this out, to, to not have a life like my high school and middle school years. And so that was the start of my healing journey.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's so hard, isn't it? Like, just being bullied for so many years, it's, it just changes, it changes who a person is, doesn't it? And how did you deal with that? So you would have, you said you took on like a victim's mentality. How does that play out in your mind?
2: Well, when at the time, of course, I didn't realize I was choosing you know, to to indulge in the victimhood and to use it to find ways to get attention and pity and people to feel sorry for me. I just wasn't suffering. Now as an adult, I recognize I was doing that stuff, but at the time, I mean, it, it was poor me. It was, I took it all personal. I took what these people said about me and made it into my identity that mm-hmm. I was a loser that I was undesirable and Again, I didn't know it at the time, but as I've been on this journey, I realized I had some secondary gains from that. There was attention. There was all these other things that were at play where I could have responded and made a different choice in a very different way. I just didn't know better. I just had no idea there were other options until 20 years later. So at the time, it was just a lot of A lot of confusion, a lot of confusion because I was very happy and playful and loving. And I was facing people that were scared of me just because I had warts on my fingers. And so Mm -hmm. I began to vilify the warts on my fingers. I began to almost attack myself because it was these warts that I thought were the thing that made me unlovable. And so that, that was a whole year, years of trying to remove the warts. And even when they were gone, even when I had them frozen and burned and chemicaled and lasered off, it really didn't change much. And that imprint, that feeling of there being something wrong with me and being undesirable, stayed with me. That reputation stayed with me through most of my schooling.
0: Mm. And I guess it is interesting that you point out that there's a lot of fear there from other people, people reacting with fear rather than anything else. And it's interesting to see that at play. And you were also living in quite a volatile home environment, weren't you, as well?
2: Yeah. Essentially, a lot of my home environment came from my my troubles at home came a lot from my own let's just say issues with authority <laughs> and there was there was a lot of struggle at home because of stuff at school there was a lot of stuff in the way that i was not necessarily the easiest child to order around and there was that issues. And then my my parents fought a lot and they fought usually about money related things and pressures and stressors. So there was a lot of chaos around that. And Mm. that was also further things in my life that I I had to to deal with.
0: Yeah. And that's hard, isn't it? When home life is difficult and then school life. I mean, that's pretty much all you've got as a kid is those two things, (laughs) right? So, and you've got stuff. There's nowhere really, that's kind of like a safe space for you. You said that you got to this point where you were fantasizing about suicide and revenge. And was this a depression that you were in? Did you have depression?
2: I I don't know anything about specific labels, but yeah, I mean, I was completely depressed. Again, mm. these weren't any medical labels, but I was depressed. I hated myself. I hated school. I hated my life. I, you know, listened to emo music and was just, you know, living a really sad, pathetic, sorry for myself kind of existence. And I found a lot of soulless in nerdy things, computers. That's how I got into to software. Eventually, at a software company, so. I I liked computers a lot because they didn't know me they they didn't I could interface with something without the fear of rejection without the fear of drama and criticism and so as you said not having you know it wasn't the end of the world my my home life there there was a lot of really genuine love and, and great stuff in it there was just a lot of also drama and other stuff as well and so between those two things as you said there's not much else and so i read a lot of books and when i was old enough i played video games and got into computers mm. um, but yeah there was there was a lot of sadness and a lot of confusion why me why me why me yeah it was, it was a big one
0: I hadn't actually heard that before when somebody says that you were interfacing with a computer because it, and it didn't judge you. I guess that's, (laughs) I haven't really heard anybody actually say that. It's quite an interesting concept and probably why so many, I'd say teens get so caught up with their computers is because it's probably a non judgmental. They don't have to worry about all the stuff that goes on with humans, right? Which is quite interesting. So you said you got to a certain point in your life that was a bit of a turning point in your attitude. Can you tell us about what happened at that time?
2: Well, after I made that choice, it took a few years before things actually started turning around. And that choice, like I said, was to do whatever it takes to figure this out, You know, to have a good life, to be happy to have friends, to have girlfriends, to just not hate myself. And so one of the biggest, the first real big turning point, I was doing some personal development training and the first day of months long of training, I learned this, the first concept. It was like the first thing on the first day of the first concept and It was this idea of cause and effect, but not cause and effect in the sense of Newtonian physics, but cause and effect in the sense that you're either at the effect of your life or you're the cause in your life. And that shook my whole world. That was my first wake up call out of the victim mentality, because before then, it was just, oh, just be yourself deal with whatever presents you. You have a hand of cards that are dealt to you when you're born, you just make the best out of them. None of them said, Oh, you actually have a say in how your life goes. And I just wasn't raised with that with, or at least with a very deep understanding of, I can create my reality. I can choose how my life is going to end up End up rather than However, the wind is going to take me, mm. and then from there, I started to take responsibility for all of that stuff that happened in childhood. So that was the that was the the first big turning point when I was about twenty one years old.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that's such a great realization, isn't it? Because. you're you're absolutely right. We are never taught that growing up. We're taught that we're really at the mercy of everybody around us in general and we just don't have a say in anything. So did you start learning different things at that time? What was your next step in that process?
2: It was the typical self-help. It was personal development. It was getting into self-improvement work. It was learning and reading the t- traditional books, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People, learning about the how the mind works, psychology, just really entry-level, basic, like, oh, you can actually learn something to improve your life. So that's what I started with. A, a lot of books, a lot of blogs, a lot of, classic self-help material
0: mm. and at some point you learned about cinesomatics or is somatics something that you created so somatics is mine yes and yes it's yours that,
2: yes and so that that actually came about a, over a decade after that right so i had a whole decade of other stuff before the the movement and somatic work came in
0: yeah so were you doing regular talk therapy during that time
2: well during that 10 years i did everything yeah i did i got into spirituality i got into i mean gosh i did everything from neurolinguistic programming hypnotherapy eft tapping acupuncture reiki plant medicines talk therapy life coaching chiropractic detoxing I did vegan raw vegan so I did (laughs) cleanses supplements so my whole I had this whole journey of not only mental and emotional healing but physical healing and spiritual healing as well Mm. so it was it was a decade of stuff so there was a lot of stuff going on and much of it worked some of it didn't work at all But eventually, none of it really popped me through. None of it really took me out of suffering.
0: Mm, It's interesting, isn't it? And I mean, I've been on a similar journey and so many others have. It's very expensive, (laughs) very (laughs) extensive. Like, and you're right, you sort of, you get through and you're like, oh, this has helped, but it's taken me this far and then something else takes me this far and it's almost like flying blind through the night, you know, trying to figure it all out. There's no real map for it. And you can come such a long way on those things. What point did you get to where you realized that there had to be more? Two points. Mm -hmm. One
2: point was I remember in my mid-20s, and this was was the start of it, in my mid-20s. And I had notebooks, not this one, but notebooks like this. I had notebooks filled with limiting beliefs, negative emotions, all of these things for me to, to clear and to release and heal and all this stuff. And I remember doing that for years and it was helpful. It was, it was really helpful. I had a lot of trauma, a lot of emotional pain and it helped. It got me out of the depression. But I remember one night in my room writing this list and I'm turning the pages and I'm looking at this. And I said, I'm adding to this list faster than I'm taking away from this list. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is never going to end. Spending every day writing lists of all my negative emotions, limiting beliefs is never going to end because even if I get through the thousands, I mean, I literally <laughs> did thousands of these. I mean, I spent so much money, so much time sacrificed sacrifice so much real life experiences mm-hmm. to stay inside and heal. And again, it was helpful. But I realized that would never realize peace. There was no point where I could just start living and just have a functional, awakened, joyous life. It was always coming back to fixing myself. And so that was the origin of one of the phrases, one of the chapters in my book, stop fixing and start living. Because I realized, oh yes, this is still helpful. There's a lot worse things I could be doing, but I'm actually using this to hide out. I'm actually hiding behind the self-help work in order to avoid actually going and getting rejected or you know whatever was out in the world. So that was, that was the first one. And the second one was when I was homeless for the second time. Wow. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, what is going on here? Because I learned all these spiritual ideas. That, that were actually really good ideas. I learned all the stuff around abundance and mindset. I dealt with money issues. I did all of this healing work. This was eight years of self-help, spirituality, personal development, all of this kind of work. And yet my life was less functional than it ever was. I actually had more money and a more functional life when I was running my software company before I got into any of this. And I, I didn't understand it. I was really, really confused because I got wiser and wiser and more whole and healed, but less and less functional in the world. And I said, there's, there's gotta be something else. Like the, there's the idea that you can be, either successful in the normal kind of matrix world and not be spiritual or vice versa. That if you were spiritual, you couldn't have success in the material. I didn't buy that, it didn't make sense. I saw many people that were able to unite those two in a very wholesome, holistic way. And so that—that that is eventually what led me to the embodiment work where it's like, oh, okay, there's there, there's more than what's going on in my mind. And well, then the rest is history of starting somatics and before even starting that learning about the embodiment and five years of my own journey of doing real shadow work and, and seeing how I was showing up physically in the body was not matching my image of myself. So those were the two the two kind of turning points in the wake-up calls, the first was, okay, this path is never going to realize peace. And the second one was, oh, I am missing something completely different than everything else that's being taught.
0: Yeah. And so can you tell us what is somatics? So
2: let's just start with the word somatics. So syna comes from the cinema. So video, movement, it's a, it also has its base in, in Greek of kina, which is uh, movement. So that's the cinema part. So movement and video, and then somatics, which is of the body. And so cinosomatics is a, it's a methodology and philosophy and approach to healing that uses video and movement to help people see the hidden and subconscious stories, mythologies, and archetypes that are running their life.
0: Yeah. And I had a look at the videos on your website with the embodiment assessments and there were so many people on there who were very blown away with the results. And so Embodied healing. Can you just explain that? Yes. So,
2: the the embodied piece, the thing that makes it different than almost everything else out there is that instead of trying to figure out everything in the rational, linear logical headspace, we use the body and feeling to heal and penetrate and discover what's happening. So, If, for example, let let me just give an example of what the difference could look like. Say somebody has trouble with receiving in their life. They can talk to their normal talk, kind of therapist or coach, and for weeks or months, they can talk about how they are really open to receiving and people have given them, but things still aren't working And all of these stories around why they have trouble around receiving and they may or may not find resolution. Okay, well, here's five steps. Maybe go practice doing this, you know, do this with gifts. They're just kind of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks with the Cinesomatics with the embodied work. We just look at your body. We just ask you to show what, You think receiving looks like in your body and then we play that back and we actually see how you embody that archetype and that shows us how you actually live it in your life because so many of us have stories we have distortions we have inaccurate definitions our entire idea of ourself can be inaccurate and we don't even know it and so with the video and the movement it cuts through all of that you can see within seconds the truth of how you're actually showing up in the world because the way you're embodying something is the thing that's interfacing with reality. It's the thing that's in time and space and that's the, the dimension in which you actually create and achieve things. And so if the way you're showing up in your body is different than the way you think you're showing up in life, the embodiment is closer to reality and that's what we look at.
0: It just sounds so fascinating. And I've spoken to people who've said, well, I've been in therapy for 10 years. I've been in therapy for 15 years and I just, I'm not moving forward. And it is so much that thing of it just being what's going on in your mind. We've spoken on here on the podcast, a lot about somatic experiencing. Is it, is there a part of it that, that is the same as that?
2: Completely different.
0: Can you can you explain how that's different because that is healing through the body isn't it
2: Yeah So one of one of the big differences is in synosomatics we use video and mm. the the video component is included in the feedback pillar of synosomatics and so the the actual facilitation in the synosomatic process involves potentially very sessions in which the the person is moving the person is doing specific archetypes in the body they're showing certain things in the way that they move and they feel and then we are we're filming this and so we play this video back and you actually get to see yourself doing those things Mm -hmm. and it's not just it's not just emotions, it's functionality, it's a connection, it's intimacy. It's how you do one thing, it's how you do everything. And so how somebody shows up in the body, how someone responds to the feedback, how somebody joins the call, the entire thing is a part of the process. The clients get feedback on all elements of everything in how they show up. And then so that video feedback and verbal feedback from me or the facilitators is a feedback loop it's information it allows them to see themselves in a new way and then from there they have an opportunity in the body to rewire that to actually rewire their their nervous system and build new neural pathways to something that's more functional in life so it's not only it's not only just healing, but it's actually helping people add zeros to their income, develop better relationships, get more creativity, have more peace. It's 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 an entire life transformation process.
0: Yeah, it sounds incredible.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds.
2: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring.
0: The archetypes?
2: Yeah, so the way that we work with archetypes in cynosomatics is think of any core, basic, fundamental way of being in life, of behavior, of action, of anything. So, for example, I just start with some of the most basic things that as humans that we do. So giving and receiving. So giving is an archetype. And you say, what do you mean giving is an archetype? Well, there's a core fundamental essence of what giving is. And we know that because if we do prancing around, we know that that is totally different. That is not, it doesn't feel or look like giving to us. And the same thing with receiving. Masculine and feminine, that's an archetype. Yin and yang, masculine, and feminine are kind of like the the core polarity archetypes. And many things come off of that. And even beyond polarity archetypes, you just have stuff like making money, right? There's an archetype of making money, of spending money. There's an archetype that is generosity. There's archetype of being selfish. And so what I found is that within these archetypes, the body has its own representation of it. These ideas, these archetypes actually live inside of us they're, they're actually embodied in us. If so, for example, you know, this is true when you watch somebody speaking and they start using their hands to describe and narrate a story they're in a way doing kind of the the very basic idea of the cinematics they're using their body to express a specific idea and that's that's really the, the fundamentals of it mm.
0: so if somebody comes to you and they're struggling with making money and this is what you can see them doing what's the process to helping them overcome that
2: so the first thing is to to get an assessment really it's to see where where are they at because you can talk about it and you would it would blow your mind to to see how many people come in and i say do you know how to make money they say yes and then i say all right Show me, show me in the body, what making money looks like. And they just stand there, not just for a few seconds, but for minutes. And that tells me a lot. So let me just ask you, I mean, a lot of this stuff is self-evident. If you ask somebody to demonstrate something to just express it and they spent minutes before they could express it. What do you think that tells about them? What do you what do you think that tells us about their relationship with that idea in their life?
0: Well, there's I guess there's no connection between their brain and their body and able to make that happen. Yeah. So they're
2: another way I would say that is that they're out of relationship with that idea, right? And so I've I've done this a lot and I have never seen anybody come in that made millions of dollars that took two minutes to show how to make money. And I've never seen anybody that took two minutes or never to express this archetype of making money that didn't struggle with money in their life. And so it becomes really obvious, really quick that there is a a direct correlation to the way somebody embodies these archetypes and the real practical results they get in their life.
0: Yeah, wow, it's so fascinating. And so I guess trauma is a cycle. So this is really helping to stop repeating patterns is that what it is to help us to stop repeating patterns? Somewhat.
2: The, the key there is stopping. So one of the fundamental principles that I teach is our suffering doesn't come from us not adding more to ourself or from not doing more in life. The people that come into this work that they're, they're doing a lot to fix themselves, to improve themselves, to heal themselves. It's these stories. It's these patterns. It's this unconscious shadow material that we keep alive that is what keeps us stuck. And so it's not by adding, but by subtracting. It's not by doing more of a, a new strategy or tactic that you learned. It's stopping the stories it's stopping the manipulations it's stopping the agendas it's stopping the fears it's stopping all of the choices that we make in our life that lead to our suffering
0: and you mentioned shadow work can you just explain for people that don't know what that means the meaning of shadow work so
2: my definition which i can only speak to my definition of shadow work is facing and integrating the aspects of ourself and humanity that we wish weren't true about ourselves. The things that we judge, the things that we hate, the things that we wish we could take a pill and make go away. All of this stuff about ourselves that if we had a magic wand, we could wish away that we could cut out of herself. It's looking at all of that stuff and literally looking at it, not just mentally talking about it or writing down, but literally looking at it, seeing your narcissism, seeing your manipulation, seeing your dishonesty, seeing your darkness in all forms. Again, it's not just for me in this work, it's not just a couple things that you don't like about yourself. It's really the worst things about humanity, the deepest, darkest evils and treachery in ourself, the the, the most vile judgments, the most harmful self-hatred, all of this stuff coming into terms, coming into relationship with this in ourselves and not vilifying it, not attacking it, not getting rid of it, but falling in love with it. And through that process, you... Reclaim all of the resources that you lost by suppressing, by judging, by shoving away, by ignoring, and by denying.
0: Mm, sounds amazing. And so, what would you say were the top things that Sinner Somatics is helping people with? What are what are the most common <laughs> things?
2: Yeah, because how you do one thing is how you do everything. It actually helps with a lot of stuff. I can give some examples of the things of the patterns that I see some of my clients coming in. Some of the biggest things are around intimacy of actually letting ourselves be seen, of letting people in. And Cynosomatics helps with that because in the movement, you can actually see if you're letting people in. If you're receiving and so people will come in they don't even realize they're avoiding intimacy and so by doing this work clients get more comfortable being vulnerable and vulnerability is key to intimacy in fact intimacy necessitates vulnerability you can't have intimacy without being vulnerable and so in the space that I hold on these calls not only is it a a safe healing space, but I'm actually, I have to be willing to let my clients see into me. So I actually have to show up and be vulnerable and be open to intimacy. And that is not something you see in a lot of practitioners. In fact, a a lot of therapists get trained to say intimacy, you you cannot be personal. It it almost is like you become a, a wall. And I found results are completely the opposite. Having my clients feel safe in letting themselves be seen. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's profound. And then they take that into their relationships and they take that into their life. And You know, everything, even in business, it's all about relationships. And if Mm -hmm. you can't let people in, if you can't let love in, if you can't let money and resources and help in, you're going to be struggling a lot. So that's one of the things that people either that come in about relationships or even business, intimacy and being willing to be vulnerable is a big thing. Along with that, you have the ancillary things like boundaries versus barriers you have, are you penetrable? Do you let, do you actually let things in or do you just have this wall around you? Are you avoiding things? Are you in denial of things? So in the beginning, the a big focus is on some of these things that we're doing in our life that create suffering. So usually for most people, the first six months, year, sometimes two years, is really getting people out of suffering, like a- actual getting people out of suffering. Like when Buddha talks about life is suffering, that kind of suffering. And living, th- living in life where you're, you're not at the effect of the world around you, that you are actually at peace, and you love yourself, and you're open to love, and you're open to wealth, you're open to joy, and you're open to the shadow, and you're open to the light. You're open to life, and that openness equates to success in all areas.
0: Mm. Oh my gosh! So, so, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's just
2: you know, just, that's just <laughs> some of the stuff. It varies between clients to clients, but that's some of the initial things that we uh, tend to. I see a lot of people needing to work on.
0: Yeah, absolutely and it all sounds very familiar to myself. And uh, so what is the timeline like for people who start with somatics? How long does it take for them to start seeing changes? Minutes? Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, because the getting the feedback when when you've been living your life and you've been saying something like I'm a giver. I'm a really good at giving. I'm a really nice person. I'm really open to change and to love. And I have you move. And then we play that video back. And you get to see in your own body, you get to see in your own self that none of those are true. That changes everything. You you realize that you've been living a lie. And for some people, that, Awareness alone starts an entire healing process, a transformation process. So one bit of feedback, I have people on my assessment before they're, they're even in a program, they just come on for an assessment. It's not necessarily designed to be a, a huge healing process. It's more just, we're discovering where you're at. You know, what's the benchmark? What, where are you at in your life? How do you show up? Just from the feedback in that alone, a lot of people have tremendous shifts so it it can happen in an instant the thing is my preference how i work with people in this work is life transformative work where people don't just come in and say oh i have this problem help me fix this one problem that's that's not how i use this that's not how i approach it my approach is literally getting people to wake up literally ending suffering in their life and becoming more functional we we have people adding zeros to their income, changing careers, transforming the relationships. It's, it's truly remarkable stuff, but that doesn't happen overnight. Most people require time and space to integrate the feedback, to start making new choices, because you have to understand that a lot of people that come in have spent decades and decades with these patterns, with these ways of seeing themselves in the world. And so while in an instant we can change that, it still takes time to rewire this nervous system because we're not just doing it in the mind or the spirit, we're actually doing it in the body. So we help people actually embody the principles. What does it feel like to embody abundance of love, of compassion, of, Being creative so that takes time and because this work deals with a lot of shadow aspects there is the the proverbial can of worms that gets opened and so it's one of the reasons why when I work with people in private I require you know minimum containers not because it doesn't get results fast but because it does get results fast because they need that support when you have, and this is kind of the, this is kind of the equation, is you in six months of the cinematic work, it's equivalent to about a decade of other transformational work, and so because it is so intense and and you're having so much change, and feedback and rewiring happening in such a short amount of time, it just requires a, a lot of space for that to happen. So after that initial assessment, I generally re- require people to do something th- that more long-term simply because as we start exposing some of these deep traumas, you just need the container to, to be able to move through all of that. You, you mm-hmm. just, I just have never seen anyone just like this. Maybe, maybe Jesus, maybe Buddha, you know, maybe like five people in the history of humanity, I suppose. But for most people, it's taken them decades to get here. It takes some time to get through. But the thing is, they actually do get through when nothing else has worked.
0: Mm. And you said about your 10-year journey of doing all sorts of different things I saw something, a quote of yours, and you said that seeking a spiritual path leads to more suffering, not less. Can you explain what you meant by that? Because so many people do turn to that sort of spiritual path to heal, right?
2: Well, the key word in there is seeking. So there is a chapter in my book called The Spiritual Path is Failing You. And I think one of the biggest reasons this is the case is because of certain ideas like ascension. A lot of people turn to a spiritual path to escape their humanity. And I assert that our humanity is our divinity. And so so many people are trying to escape their their humanity by going into divinity it, but it just is impossible, it doesn't work because this right here is our divinity. And when you separate the two and you start living a life where you're neglecting and judging and avoiding the physicality of human existence, a you're, you're rejecting life for one. And I I just cannot fathom that we came here to live, to reject living. It just does, it just logically makes no sense. And then second, you're, you're trying to go somewhere. So you're not actually at peace. And so, I mean, there, there's, there's some quotes, right? Like in the Bible, the, the kingdom of heaven is on earth. It's, it's right here. <laughs> People are trying to go somewhere else. They're trying to escape their suffering. And it just doesn't work. You, you can numb out. You can avoid. Maybe you can get out of depression. But all of that dealt with stuff is still there and it 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 just for many people that seeking to avoid and to ascend and to bypass their humanity just creates more suffering with that said it doesn't mean that pursuing or being on a spiritual journey is is a bad thing this work is very deeply spiritual it's just what is your intention? What is the energy behind the seeking? And for a lot of people, and for myself when I was doing it, was a rejection of humanity and uh, I was homeless twice. And I certainly know that that doesn't work.
0: Mm. And you talk a bit about isolation as well and how isolation can be just a feeling of nobody understands me or nobody gets me. Is that something that you're helping people with?
2: Yeah. So it, one of the realizations with that in the cinematics work is one of the exercise, one of the exercises that I have people do for this is I have them just simply walk around. I actually did this a few weeks ago with a, with a new client. I said, just walk around the space and how that client walked around the space showed me how he was relating to the environment to life to other people to the world to his life and by watching that you can see if somebody's connected to the space or they're isolated do their movements create walls when they look around are they looking around as if they're trapped or they're locked in when they're doing these archetypes are can you picture other people around them interacting or are they all by themselves? And so without fail, people that look in their body trapped or shut off, or there's nobody else, there's nobody else energetically in the way that they're doing their archetypes without fail. These people have decided at some point to isolate from the world, whether it's a fear of rejection, whether it's a childhood trauma, whether it's any sort of thing, that's where we dive deeper into that individual person to see what it is for them.
0: Mm. And what about addiction? Can you help with that?
2: So it's been my experience that addiction, similar to anxiety, comes from an avoidance of feeling. And it's, it's almost in, it's not exactly, but you can imagine. So if anxiety is an avoidance of feeling, addiction is kind of the inverse, right? Cause in addiction, you, you keep wanting to fill something with it. So rather than going away from the thing that's causing suffering, you're going into the thing that's causing suffering. And so, yeah, this can help with that by showing the person what it is that is underneath that, that compulsion. And it's usually something that is a need that they, that hasn't been met and they've just found destructive ways to try and meet that without it ever actually getting met.
0: Mm. And I guess what you're doing is really helping people to have a more successful life. What does success mean to you?
2: It's holistic. So, success is absolutely financial. Success is absolutely having loving relationships. Success is being able to express yourself in life. Success is having a fulfilling spiritual connection. Success is being able to live that, the life that you want to live. And it's not necessarily the ego life that you want to live, but the, let's say that the, the higher life that's, that's there for you. So to me, success isn't just financial, but it's also not a rejection of the material. It's holistic, you're healthy, you're in joy, you're, you're playful, you have healthy relationships. You are able to provide for yourself and other people. You're taking responsibility you're functional you're contributing to the world you feel fulfilled it's it, it's all of it and it's also being at peace if you don't always have all of that so mm. peace is a huge component as well
0: yeah and so your book awaken to your true self it's about truth really, isn't it? Awaken to a self you no longer need to fix or avoid or improve and experience true peace in your life. It's been an Amazon bestseller and it's obviously resonating with people. Why do you think it's having such an impact?
2: Frankly, because it has things in it that actually help people. There's a lot of books out there that are, are a bit fluffy. And I think People who have done a lot of self-help and spiritual work are looking for something with some meat, looking for something that is not pulling punches, that isn't just a marketing book in disguise, that isn't filled with fluffy, anecdotal nonsense and trite phrases. People that have been on a healing journey for a long time, who are professionals, who actually want different results in their life, they they want to be confronted. They need to be confronted. They need to be shown the truth. And that's what my book does. It's a big book. It's dense. And it has a lot of concepts that you're not going to find in other books. And so that's why I wrote it. I wrote it to actually help people that here's a book I could give to you. And if you're stuck, and if you've already done a lot of self-help work before this will show you why you're still stuck and how to get out of it and so i think that's one of the reasons it's resonated so much because it it's it's not light on content in, in fact people say i have to read this multiple times just because there's so much in it
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I've got my copy. It is quite extensive <laughs> and I'm already like tagging pages and scribbling notes, but it's quite exciting. So tell us about the rest of your work. Who are the people that you're helping? What are you offering? What do you want people to know? Well,
2: for now, it's the synosomatic work. And so I work with people one-on-one in person or virtually I offer something called an embodiment assessment, and that's the first place. A lot of people usually will work with me. My currently right now, my private practice is full. So I only have availabilities doing those assessments. So those are an option for people that want to do cinesomatics specifically and experience that with me online. Over this next few months and this year, I'm going to be doing workshops. And more group programs. So that's that's gonna be really fun. Starting to to do a lot more work in, in group settings. And I think if people have found any interest in these concepts that we've been talking about here today, the book's a great start. It's very accessible. There's a lot to it. There's a lot of stuff in there. You can get it on Amazon, ebook, paperback, hardcover, audio. However you want to consume it, it's out there. And you can find all of that on my website, andrewdaniel.org.
0: So andrewdaniel.org. I'll put all of those links to the website and to the book in the show notes so that you can find those easily. Andrew, thank you so much. This has been such an incredible conversation and so much information. There's just definitely something magical about what you're doing. And I've already got my copy of the book as i said and i just believe wholeheartedly that life is about truth and finding the truth of ourselves and that feels what this is all about so thank you so much and for being an incredible leader in this space
2: well thank you for having me on i appreciate it
0: thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at mybigloveproject and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.